Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. From fashion, beauty and homeware, myself, Grace Hill, will be chatting to leading experts in the industry to shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. retail will remain anchored by a digital first approach. Following the boom aided by the pandemic, e-commerce shows no signs of slowing down. With 70% of executives projecting more than 20% growth across their channels, according to the Business of Fashion and McKinsey study. But one thing we have noticed across the industry is the demand is increasing within the virtual fashion market as NFT mania propels news interests and sales for fashion houses and retailers. The Dematerialize, for example, is creating a new reality for fashion. They're a platform that has created a marketplace for brands and designers to sell authenticated virtual goods. Additionally, the pandemic accelerated digital runways, making them now a fashion week staple and raising virtual influencers' profiles. So in 2021, we had the first crypto fashion week, which allowed creators to upload and sell their designs on blockchain marketplaces. Businesses like these are creating a new reality for fashion with digital fashion assets challenging the traditional fashion business models of production, consumption, and ownership. You may be wondering what an NFT is. So NFTs are unique digital assets. They can be anything, whether that's art, gifts, music videos, virtual clothing. They can be authenticated and minted using blockchain technology, allowing creators to protect and make money selling digital items that would otherwise be free and easily replicated. As with cryptocurrency, the blockchain creates a digital record of the price and ownership which is then stored and maintained, making it impossible to forge. Though NFTs have been the predominant buzzword, the category for virtual fashion and apparel extends beyond both NFTs and cryptocurrency. As companies look to capitalize on digital opportunities within gaming, metaverses, and augmented reality. With no end in sight for the trend towards increased screen time and digital interaction, virtual fashion is likely to emerge as a not insignificant opportunity for brands, as a revenue stream and as a channel for product discovery. So today we are so excited to speak to Cameron James Wilson, a British fashion photographer and visual artist with over a decade of experience in the industry. Seeking inspiration in a new medium, Cameron began experimenting in 3D modeling and CGI and created Shudu, the world's first digital supermodel. He has since founded The Digitals, an all-digital modeling agency created to demonstrate the potential of 3D fashion modeling and showcase its application for innovative brands. Welcome to Unedited, Cameron. We're thrilled to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's really lovely where I am. So yeah, doing great. Very, very busy with work, but you know, it's good to be busy. I can't complain. Well, busy, sunshine. (laughs) What more could you ask for, I guess? But thank you so much for joining us. But before we get started, it would be great if you could tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your background and what has led you into the digital fashion space. 
So I started my journey around five years ago with 3D. But before that, I was actually a fashion photographer. So I started fashion photography when I was about 17. I was self-employed by the time I was 18. And I was represented by an agency from 20. So I, I've had like a good long kind of fashion photography career, but it never really satisfied me on all creative levels. Yeah. I just kind of felt like, I just, I don't know. I just, I I, I kind of felt like the industry was t- changing and I felt that with social media as well, it was becoming much more led by like influencers and social media and everything was just so fast, you know, where I wanted to create art that kind of meant something, at least to me anyway, you know, so I took a step back and then I took about two, three years out from photography and I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I just really, really love like CGI and movies. And I thought like if I could do something like that, that would be amazing. Never did I imagine that I would be like (laughs) CEO of a company and kind of working with the brands that I'm working with today. But, you know, everything, everything just kind of like happened, you know, one thing led to another and, and I kind of just ended up where I am. So, so yeah. Well, as you said, the brands that you're working with are phenomenal and super (laughs) exciting, but was there a particular movie or something that really inspired you to like ignited that passion within CGI and there's been several, obviously, throughout my life. I mean, yeah. I love the Final Fantasy movies, which are all yeah. completely done with CGI. And they are so incredibly beautiful. The characters in them are really lifelike. But I would say probably two of the most inspiring movies to me were Avatar and also Valerian. And there's a s- specific scene in Valerian, which I just think is possibly the most beautiful piece of 3D that I've ever, ever seen. So those were the kind of things that really inspired me. But I really, I was so overwhelmed in the beginning. I I never thought that like I would be able to do do something like that. You know, I kind of looked at it and thought I'd have to go back to university. I'd have to get training. It would probably take me years. But actually within the space of three months of picking up a 3D program, my work had gone viral on social media. So it was very, very, very fast. Wow. So self-taught really a lot of your, the skills and, mm-hmm. and experience that you have in this space definitely self-taught with the software and even with photography, you know, but every single experience, every job that I've had in my whole life has given me some sort of experience in what I do now. I used to do makeup. My parents owned a hair salon, so I worked in there. You know, so I've kind of like picked up all these skills kind of along the way that have led to the career in 3D. Amazing. And and obviously in the past year, we've really seen digital fashion be put into the spotlight, whether mm. it's through gaming, virtual models, digital runway shows. So in your opinion, like how would you define virtual fashion? Virtual fashion for me has been around pretty much all of my life because I play a lot of games. And one thing I love in games is dressing up my characters. So virtual fashion for me is is kind of like nothing new, which is why when I actually came to work in 3D in the fashion industry, I was really surprised to find that 3D wasn't really being used that much within the fashion industry, you know, and I, I was so surprised because I've seen, you know, 3D be used in so many different fields for for decades, but fashion is only just kind of catching mm-hmm. on. So 3D fashion, virtual fashion for me is, is a revolution within the fashion industry. And it's one that is 
really late to the party. You know, it's gone, it's gone past being fashionably, fashionably late, but now it's like, you know, you're kind of really late. So, so yeah, I think fashion's just kind of catching up to everyone else at this point. It's interesting you say that, that it's late to catching up because I know my friends who work in the industry and like even just using 3D design programs is like wild and like revolutionary <laughs> like and having to kind of get their senior leadership in the headspace that that's actually how they want to move forward and how they want to work is is quite testing, which as you said, mm-hmm. so many other industries have, have operated like that for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Also, I loved it when you said you loved gaming and kind of dressing your characters up. I was actually having a conversation with my friends at the weekend about The Sims and how, you know, growing up we play that. And my favorite part was always at the beginning when you were like picking your characters and choosing what they were going to look like and what their outfits were. So now I can really, really get, get understand that part. But as the founder of the Digitals, the world's first digital modeling agency. Can you kind of explain your, what your company does and, and how it functions and why you created it, I guess? So it really started off quite different to what it has become. And, yeah. and I think because it is such an innovative idea and innovative company, it's kind of evolving and changing with the times. So initially, when I started it, I really just wanted to have a portfolio to showcase a number of characters that I was creating. So I, you know, I wanted to showcase Shudu, Danny, Bran, Kofi, you know, all of my characters in one space. And I thought, oh, if I do it like a modeling agency, it's going to look really cool. But actually, we've we've gone on to kind of do production, become like a creative agency. You know, we're we're introducing brands to different kind of software and teaching them, you know, how to use software, teaching them how to use these programs, teaching them how to integrate digital avatars into their workflow. So we've kind of gone and surpassed like everything I could have imagined us becoming. And our day-to-day is, is is always something new. It's always something different. We have clients come and, and we never, ever know what they're going to request. You know, they're good, they might request something we've never heard of before. And, you know, and it's, and it's all different brands as well. It's all different kind of divisions. Like it's not just fashion. You know, we started off with some amazing high-end fashion brands like Balmain, but we're actually working with you know, Lexus and other kind of car companies. We've done a campaign with Smart. So this is something that is appealing across industries. And I find that really, really interesting. It's not just about fashion, you know, it's it's about brands wanting to put a face to their to their kind of social media channels or something like that. What do you think has kind of what moment or do you think there's a particular factor which has created these fashion brands and businesses to be interested in the kind of suite of services that you offer? I think initially this started out as something that was just really kind of like exciting and interesting for brands to kind of dip their toe in and try. Yeah. Um, you know, right at the beginning, you know, you you only had several high-end kind of virtual influencers, you know, like Shudu, Nunori, Lil Michaela. You know, there there really wasn't that that many any virtual influences around. And it was something that was just, oh, really, really like interesting and slightly controversial and polarizing. And, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't really about kind of, you know, doing something that was kind of long lasting. But now it's become that. Now people have thought, okay, what can we actually do with these virtual characters in the long term? How do we integrate them into our design workflows? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 I don't think there's been particularly one moment, but obviously we have to acknowledge that the, you know, pandemic and lockdown really affected the way that brands produce their marketing materials, even if it's just internal marketing or, you know, B2B and stuff like that. 
they all needed to to kind of visualize their products. And a lot of brands were not set up to visualize their products in 3D. So for them, everything came to a stop. Everything came to a halt. And it was the brands that were designing in 3D, that had a 3D workflow that really kind of, I wouldn't say flourished, but, you know, they 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 kept going, they survived. And, and this didn't really damage or affect them that much because they, they were already set up to kind of deal with it in a way. So after the pandemic, after lockdown, a lot, a lot of brands are looking at this very, very seriously as kind of a contingency, just in case anything like this ever happens again. Totally. And like you mentioned kind of Shudu, and obviously she's one of your agency's most famous virtual supermodels. She's amassed hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. And as you said, has worked with brands like Balmain and Le Bouton, which is extremely impressive. So what inspired you to create Shudu specifically and kind of what differentiates her from other digital influencers that you've mentioned? So for me, Shudu is a supermodel. That's how I kind of imagine her. She's very, very fashion focused. She harks back to the to the days of, of you know, true supermodels where they weren't really posting everything about their day-to-day lives. They were these mysterious yeah. figures that kind of graced these catwalks and covers. And you didn't actually really know too much about them. And and they kind of were almost unapproachable. And, you know, you just, you, you felt like they were, well, supers, you know, you felt like they were not just your regular person, you know, you really yeah. felt that they, these were supermodels. And that's kind of what I wanted to create with Shudu. I wanted her to not be posting what she had for breakfast. You know, it's kind of, she's the anti-influencer in a way. You know, she's she she kind of brings back something, a memory for us of, of, of these models. And when I created her, I just really wanted to create a really, really beautiful woman. I just had this idea in my mind of this beautiful woman with this, with this gold necklace on that I've always wanted to draw because I love drawing. I've always wanted to kind of photograph that. And I have kind of photographed it in the past but I never managed to get my hands on that really amazing necklace it's really hard to to make a necklace like this made out of gold um (laughs) but in 3d it was easy you know uh, in 3d I I just made the necklace in a in a digital program and and put it on a model shudu and uh, created this image and it went viral and I just knew she was special straight away you know that the fact that the first image I ever put out of her went viral it just was a sign for me that I was like this is what I'm supposed to do you know I'm supposed to do 3D fashion I think people really saw my work for what it was because that image and and those images that I was creating then everything that was in that image was was put there by me do you know what I mean it wasn't I I didn't have to necessarily rely on like a hairstylist or a makeup artist or a stylist or the model everything was 100% me and there's no barriers to your creative vision right like you can create exactly what is in in your mind and that concept (laughs) which must be quite exciting to not kind of be limitless I guess in in that perspective exactly so could you talk us through kind of the process of how models like Shudu are created? Like what factors, like obviously you've mentioned the kind of inspiration behind Shudu, but like, you know, how does that conceptualization stage start? Where do you get the inspiration for the personalities? You know, what considerations do you have to, to take on board? 
I think so. So for me, it's just, it's very, very personal. Each model that I create is is kind of very personal. With Shudu, you know, I've always admired models like Naomi Campbell, Alec Weck, and Aman. They represent, you know, beautiful women, strong women to me, you know, successful women. When I came to create Danny, another one of our models, you know, I was inspired by actresses that I love, like Julia Moore, Sissy Spacek, Michelle Pfeiffer. When it comes to creating my female models, I'm often inspired by just really, really powerful women, just women that I really admire, women that I look up to and who inspire me. And then when it comes to creating Kofi, it was slightly different. It was it was more kind of exploring, yeah, attractiveness, like beauty, like how do I see beauty like mm-hmm. in a man, you know, and, and kind of exploring that. And when I came to create Boyce, I was kind of exploring like sexuality. He's like, he's almost like kind of a an, a persona, you know, for, for kind of me, if you know what I mean. Like, sure. You know, if I was to think of like the ultimate kind of drag queen persona kind of representation of kind of the gay community, like that would kind of be Boyce, who's kind of fierce and and really like edgy looking and just just really, really cool. So, yeah, they all have their own inspirations. And and of course, Galaxia, who is an alien supermodel, um, (laughs) she's she's heavily inspired by Avatar and, and Valerian and and just my love for kind of sci-fi and fashion coming together. Amazing. And how do you kind of see this sustaining in the long run? Like, do you see yourself just through your kind of creative process and finding inspiration organically? How, how do you see that looking in the future for you? I think I, of course, I, I really want to flesh out my kind of characters that I have, my base characters. Yeah. I don't want to create like loads of them. I feel like I'm kind of almost to the point where I'm kind of done or, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, for when it comes to my own characters, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, just, I just want that to be a small group that I really, really inspire me and really, really kind of, I work on. But in the long term, I think obviously it's, it's about kind of creating characters for other brands and maintaining those characters, yeah. helping them create the assets and how, how to bring those characters to life because it's not just about still images, it's about animating them. And when you get into animation, it's all about motion capture and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think there's a long, there is a long, long kind of goal for this. I think it kind of goes on forever. And the great thing about digital characters is that is they never die. Yeah. <laughs> so so Chudu's going to be around for forever, you know. So there might be times when Chudu is really popular and there might be times when, you know, she she kind of isn't. But it's not necessarily about 10 years. It's not necessarily about 20 years. This is something Shudu has the potential to go on for centuries. You know, she could long outlive me. And this is an asset that, you know, these models I can actually pass down. I can, they can be something, you know, that's inherited and kind of some, a legacy for me to leave. You know, these aren't, it's totally different. You know, it's a bit like Disney and and Mickey Mouse and, and, and their kind of characters or Marvel and, and, and their superheroes, you know, this is a whole new set of characters and IP that could live on for a very, very, very long time. I just feel like the concept of NFTs is obviously so important <laughs> right now. And like, you know, as you said, it's a legacy and it's something that, you know, you can pass on in the future and yeah, it's eternal, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. So obviously 
you mentioned that you want to maintain your smaller group, but then there's the opportunity of working with brands and creating the personalities for them. Are there any collaborations or campaigns that we can look out for that you could share with us? I think, well, obviously we just, we've just launched Lexus. Then you'll probably see some, uh, Danny, one of our models doing an amazing campaign with Mercedes where we bring her to life using deepfake and machine learning. We're actually going to have her speaking and showing you around an exhibition for, for them, which is really, really, really wow. exciting. We have editorials in the works and things like that. So unfortunately, one of the biggest projects we're, we're working on at the moment isn't going to be out for a few months so I can't say anything about that but yeah there's some really really exciting things coming out soon which is great we'll definitely be keeping our eyes on those I guess when you were mentioning like obviously Danny right that you said that was doing the the voice for Mercedes Mm -hmm. that must have been quite interesting concept as well because it's not just visual now you've got to create an actual tone and voice Mm -hmm. to that personality which I guess is another element that goes into creating that personality Exactly. I mean, for me, I've the concept that I have is that we don't necessarily worry about the voice. We're not tied yeah. onto having one voice. You know, this is a new type of model. Danny can be multiple people. She can have multiple voices. We could hire somebody who speaks amazing Mandarin or do you know what I mean? Who speaks amazing yeah. French yeah. or German. She can speak any language. You know, she's not she doesn't just have to be one voice, you know, all the time. And I think that's, that's what people ask me about Shudu. They're like, oh, what are you going to do when Shudu speaks for the first time? And I'm like, well, she'll speak for the first time, but then it might be someone different or Mm -hmm. she, you know, we, we fully acknowledge that we use different body doubles, which we call muses. And those body doubles vary from five foot eight to six foot two. So, you know, we're, we're, we're already experimenting with this idea of, of Shudu is not just like one measurement model. You know, she doesn't just have yeah. one waist size. She doesn't just have one height, you know. So she also won't have one voice, you know. And I think that's really beautiful because she's almost this kind of like culmination of lots of different people. You know, she's multifaceted mm-hmm. and, and she's actually more of a community of women rather than just being one person who kind of benefits from her. It's like yeah. multiple women can step into her shoes and become a supermodel for the day. Totally. I love that, that she's a community of women that she represents. Like that's super interesting. And and I guess we'll add to her appeal, right? In terms of who she can speak to and, and being multifaceted. And are there kind of any ethical things that you need to consider too when creating digital models? I think, you know, obviously when it comes to Shudu, it's been a ma- like massive learning and very long learning journey for, mm. for me. And also very public and very kind of open. A lot of people feel uncomfortable about the idea of someone like me creating a model like Shudu, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody who's white creating a black character. You know, it, it it does have a lot of connotations. You know, you can't get away from that. All that I can really say is that when I created Shudu, the intent was really just to create a beautiful depiction of a beautiful woman. There wasn't really anything more to it. And I never really thought that she would become as famous as she has. Mm-hmm. Now that she has become quite famous, now that she does have a platform, there is a responsibility there to make sure that she's not taking anything away from the community that she represents. You know, there are concerns that, you know, 
people could use these models to kind of profit from the likeness of black women. And that's 100% not in my intention. So I think for people who are moving in this space and want to create their characters, you know, you have to be aware of that. And you have to be responsible with the creation of these characters. If you're going to create a black character and you are white, be prepared to hire black creatives, work with black writers, you know, work with black brands, everything you can do to give back to that community. And 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 that's what we do. You know, I have a I work with a black writer called Ama Badu and I work with mm-hmm. black creatives to kind of produce her photo shoots. I work with models who stand in as her. You know, I really, really, really try to create this sense of community around her and almost take a step back as much as I can and let people who look like Shudu speak for her in a way and kind of make the decisions that need to be made as much as possible. And I think that's just a part of kind of being responsible. So definitely think that there are a lot of ethical considerations in this space. I think being open and honest and authentic Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with something that can be construed as, as kind of fake or misleading, I think you have to be really, really, really open and be ready to be open. I have to speak about everything. I have to kind of, you know, be be open and, and kind of listen to a lot of different things. And, you know, I've, I've seen brands just kind of wade into this space and kind of face backlash because of it, because they haven't had those considerations. The, the intent behind that creation hasn't been authentic. So yeah, so there, there is a lot to think about. And I, I do personally think that this technology has the potential to be misleading. I do think that labeling your work as 3D or as a virtual influencer using the correct terminology is extremely important. You know, I see kind of a lot of virtual influencers pretending that they're real people. I see a lot of virtual influencers labeling themselves as AI or robots. You know, these are, it's, it's not true. You know, yeah. they are robots. They aren't AI. You know, and I, I think it, I, I do think that it has the potential to be very, very, very misleading. Totally. I guess as well with your kind of technical and like experience, right? Like you really understand what it is and you're an expert in that field. And I think, no, totally. I think, you know, for a lot of people, they aren't, they don't understand exactly what it is or how it's come about. And I think it's really interesting to hear your journey and and your insight into that to help educate, I guess, our listeners too. So, COVID really gave us a peek into how sustainable fashion could be realized as obviously carbon footprint was simply reduced because nobody was traveling for buying trips or runway shows. So as we reemerge from the pandemic and people are ready to kind of jump back into normal life, what kind of learnings do you think the fashion industry will take forward from the kind of digital space over the past year? And how do you see digital models being used in 2021 and, and beyond? I think um, I think for the majority of the, of the fashion industry, very little will be taken away. I think for the yeah. majority of the fashion industry, they are ready to jump back into physical events and putting mm-hmm. on fashion weeks just as they were and flying models around the world to do campaigns and all kinds of things. And, you know, 
that's the majority of the fashion industry. However, I think there is a minority that is growing within the fashion industry that is conscious, you know, that is making decisions to not do physical shows, you know, that to explore more sustainable ways of producing fashion and even selling virtual fashion. You know, I, I think we kind of expect the fashion industry to change overnight. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it will. You know, I think fashion has always been about physical and kind of opulence and kind of doing things that big. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I don't think virtual and digital is at the point where it can, it really has that same impact as doing something kind of physically and, and on that such large scale as some of those catwalks are. So I think there's there's some catching up to do. I think virtual needs to to catch up to the kind of wants and needs of the fashion industry and fashion needs to kind of wake up to the fact that it's not always just about show, that actually you can be a, a conscious designer. You know, you can make decisions that aren't just about showcasing and, and all of this and, and more about actually being an authentic designer when it comes to choosing sustainable methods and things like that. So I'm a bit more pessimistic about the kind of long-term and lasting impression that the pandemic will have had on the fashion industry. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember this, you know, kind of maybe even more than a year ago. And obviously the fact that the runway shows weren't about to go ahead and the fact that it forced us all to slow down and the impact it had. And and I think everyone kind of reveled in that and enjoyed the fact that it slowed down and, and it was having a positive impact on kind of the environment but then as time has gone on you just can feel that like pent-up demand and like excitement to just kind of get back to how it was before and it's kind of interesting to to think of the kind of mindset shifts that have even happened over the past kind of 18 months Mm -hmm. but I guess in terms of you know you've mentioned your kind of pessimistic view on on how fashion embraces this for moving forward. I know obviously fashion is late to conform to many new technologies, whether that's e-commerce, 3D design. However, we did know that obviously luxury fashion is maybe ahead of the other segments in the sense that they didn't want to be left behind and wanted to be, you know, up there with the next big thing. And they've really kind of embraced digital fashion more than others. So could you kind of just talk us through what those opportunities and benefits are for value, mass and premium brands? I think fashion needs to realize that 3D isn't just all about, you know, can we make a profit here? You know, this is about Mm -hmm. kind of brand reinforcement. This is about offering your consumer an experience, you know, because one of the things, especially with luxury fashion that you lose when you shop online is that experience, you know, and I, I often save my luxury purchases until I can make it to the store because I want that luxury experience. I want that bag, you know, I want the assistant to kind of follow me around and help me. And, you know, I'm making a big purchase. So I want it to be an event and and something that's memorable. It's not, not just necessarily about a big purchase, you know, even just shopping online at ASOS, you know, and doing kind of a, mm-hmm. a a big shop, a big shop is an event for them, you know, and it is an experience. It is something they get excited about, you know, using their codes, getting their discount and kind of like seeing how much they can save and how much they can get. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the kind of something that excites people and is, is an event for people. So 3D is an extension of that. You know, how do you create these experiences? How do you kind of reinforce your branding? You know, we've we've just seen with 
Gucci doing doing some amazing things in in 3D that are are about kind of providing an experience. The problem is, is that that platform, the platform to provide that experience, I don't necessarily think is kind of there yet. You know, you have games like Fortnite and Roblox, which are kind of being used, but I feel that for certain brands, it's not the it's not the most perfect fit for for them to provide that yeah. experience in. And there was also, you know, a, quite a significant sale of of a bag that exceeded the cost of a of a real bag. For me, I don't know if that was necessarily something that should be celebrated because I don't think digital should necessarily be about high ticket prices. You know, I kind of I I think it should be more about kind of microtransactions and kind of accessibility to a brand for a lot of people. So yeah, so I, I I think 3D provides so, so many different avenues for for many different brands to go down, whether that's providing your, your consumer with a unique and new kind of experience or, you know, selling something without having to produce something at all, you know, kind of just a, a virtual yeah. garment, which has kind of got zero waste and and zero kind of production is is amazing. So being ethical and being conscious and making these kind of sustainable choices to create virtual fashion is also really interesting. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of avenues to that that we could explore. And I think as well, it's even if they don't want to create a digital item and they still want to continue to create physical product, it's the kind of what can digital do to help on the production side as well, like from a sampling perspective and, you know, virtual try-ons and how can it reduce returns and waste? There's just, I guess, the opportunities are endless, right? Exactly, exactly. And that was something that I learned a lot about when I moved into this space. You know, I kind of went from yeah, just creating this 3D character to to attending these major conferences about 3D fashion and and kind of learning there about the the production pipeline when it comes to design. I had no idea about that, you know, four or five years ago. I, I was completely clueless. I didn't understand, you know, how fashion was being produced at that point. You know, now I understand the impact that that 3D can have on that process. I think it's absolutely incredible. You know, the the amount of waste that this this can stop and if you think of 60% of all items that people buy are returned you know that is crazy and the majority of that stuff that's returned is sent to landfill or burned you know if we can just stop a small portion of that it, it would be absolutely incredible so yeah I've had over the past few years I've had a real kind of deep learning experience about this space and just discovered the the impact that my work could have is is crazy yeah I love to hear your kind of journey and in, in educating yourself on that because I think the consumer as well isn't aware of how much sampling and the kind of environmental impact that goes into just creating their one garment that they're buying. Mm -hmm. Cameron, what do you think are the factors that need to happen to make this kind of wide-scale adoption happen? I know you mentioned that virtual needs to catch up. What do you think needs to happen in that space to ensure that fashion brands can take this further? So currently we have 
several different software working on how to make cloth simulation and kind of the design process for for fashion designers working in 3D much, much easier, much more accurate, you know, so that they can just design that garment in 3D, send that to production and get that garment made. You know, that is the kind of ultimate goal when it comes to working with 3D fashion. However, you know, there are a lot of kind of steps that that needs to take. You know, you have to have very, very powerful software that can realistically simulate and drape those garments onto 3D models like the ones I make. One of the things that's actually holding back, you know, and kind of stopping people from from really, you know, being inspired in the space is a lot of the avatars that people use are very, very simplified forms. You know, they're not realistic forms. They don't look real. They look more like mannequins. You know, and I, I feel that a lot of 3D fashion designers are kind of uninspired by those forms, you know, and and this is an artistic space as well. So, you know, you. I think there needs to be much more integration and much more focus on on kind of avatars and and also like how those avatars move, how their body deforms and shapes, so that people can accurately use them to kind of fit garments and things like that. But it's getting there. You know, that also companies need to be prepared to adopt this technology. It's not an easy process when you've done something for hundreds of years one way and it's not <laughs> broken. You know, it's not the fashion industry is doing okay designing how it's always designed and then having to kind of change to 3D. It's it's a big, big shift, you know, having to kind of train a lot of staff. Sometimes the staff are not not 100% willing to to change or, you know, maybe they don't get along with 3D design very well, you know, so it's not easy. So yeah, there are, there are quite a few hurdles still to kind of overcome, but for those who have adopted 3D and those who are working in this space, they are saving, you know, tons and tons and tons of fabric, weeks and weeks and weeks of time, you know, and, and become much, much more sustainable. And then these companies have all of these 3D assets ready to go. And they can utilize those assets in many, many ways. You know, they can actually, once they've designed one t-shirt, they no longer need to design <laughs> the t-shirt again. It's called a block and, and they can design from that block and, and just kind of change it. And eventually you end up with an archive of thousands of thousands of, of, of original designs all in 3D. And you can do stuff with those those blocks. You can You can monetize them through selling virtual garments and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's the impact that it has and the potential is, is crazy. It's not that it's not a hundred percent, you know, accessible for for all brands yet. I think it will be, and also, virtual needs to kind of catch up to the needs of the fashion industry as well. I mean, I think it, it's fascinating, and also it's fascinating to kind of hear about kind of opportunities and like the monetization and the potential revenue streams. And like, as you said, it, it's not the easiest thing right now, but we know like kind of NFTs have been huge in the past mm -hmm. few months. But from your perspective, do you think this market is getting too crowded right now? Or do you think we're just getting started? I think NFTs are, I think they are just getting started, really. I think people are really trying to figure the space out. They don't really necessarily know what to do with them or do in this space. You know, this is, it's it's kind of a time of real experimentation and trying things out, you know, and I, I think there's a lot to learn in this space, you know, and, and I think people are really, really learning about the environmental impact and the sustainability factor and there's just so much to take away and so much learning to be had, you know. So 
So yeah, I think I think it's just getting going. I think obviously you had that real initial rush. Yeah. Where everybody was like rushing to it. <laughs> um, and I think that you'll probably have like a lull where people are kind of educating themselves and, mm-hmm. and kind of thinking and coming up with like amazing stuff. And then you'll have this kind of resurgence where NFTs become much more functional and kind of much more accessible and more sustainable and have less of an environmental impact. You know, I think I think we're kind of not in the kind of golden age of NFTs yet. We're in that kind of like experimental phase. And then in the future, we're going to kind of move into a time when we actually know what to kind of do in this space and, and kind of what the real function of NFTs will be. Because I don't think the way that most people use them is really what they're intended to be used for. I feel like from everything we're talking about, right, there's this, this education process and this, you know, kind of even like as you were talking about earlier, like training the teams to be able to use 3D design, educating ourselves on NFTs and what the possibilities can be. It's like, as I said, almost like that, that lag period that, mm-hmm. that, that needs to happen for us to kind of maximize and fulfill the potential that these technologies present us. For me, I, I'm just really excited about seeing how brands really, really dive into 3D fashion and and kind of what they have to offer, you know, and I don't know. I don't really know what I'm excited about for the future because it's hard to predict what will come, you know, yeah. it's hard to know what what's kind of out there. I think for me, of course, I'm excited to see more campaigns which are kind of out of this world you know I would love to see kind of Galaxia doing some campaigns and you know our kind of perception of what a a fashion campaign should look like changing and kind of becoming something really 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 imaginative and and kind of unrestrained you know what will design look like when you don't have to conform to gravity and kind of you could make something out of you know fire you know or, or something crazy you know it's I'm really, really excited for that kind of unrestrained and unrestricted artistic potential. And I think that, yeah, that's what really inspires me. And especially when it comes to models as well, you know, what will the models of the future look like when they're unconstrained by by being human, you know, and what kind of impact is that going to have on us? And, you know, how digital will we become, you know, because I feel like we're moving and becoming much, much more virtual as a species. You know, the the majority of the time we see the people we know through pixels. You know, we, yeah, see, true. we see people as as a collection of pixels, you know, and how will our perception of of those people and how will our perception of ourselves shift and change in the future? You know, are we going to start becoming more and more like avatars? You know, is our online persona going to be much, much more distinct from our real life persona? You know, because we're already using like filters and things like that. You know, how different will we become online to who we are in real life? And I don't see, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I, I'm really, really used to interacting with the people I know as kind of avatars of themselves or or a certain depiction of themselves and so for me I'm really excited for society to get to that point where we kind of transcend so many things that so much baggage that we have and we actually just make up who we are we're in charge of whoever we are we can be you know 
pick our gender, pick whatever about about our appearance. And mm-hmm. and it's not really about the way you look. It's about who you are. You know, it, it's kind of like once you get to choose every aspect of, of what you look like, beauty doesn't really matter anymore. You know, it kind of goes out of the window because everybody will have their own idea of what's beautiful. Yeah. And then it becomes more about who's who's actually behind the avatar, which I find really, really exciting. I think when you put it like that, it really is, right? And it cuts deeper as to like who you are and what you stand for, I guess, versus the appearance when mm-hmm. everyone has the ability to to create what they view as beautiful or what they want to look like, I guess. But Cameron, one thing I always, we always mm-hmm. ask one our guests is what is the one thing that you would love our listeners to take away from this episode? I would love them to take away the fact that I started this five years ago and had no idea of what I was getting myself into. And, and yet here I am, CEO and founder I've spoken at tons of events around the world and done some amazing things over the past few years. And that was all because I took a chance and gave up what many would think was an amazing photography career. And yeah, took a chance and wanted to find something that was right for me. And I hope, you know, that if anyone's out there is listening and they're even if they're not interested in digital fashion or whatever, you know, if they have this feeling that they're not happy in the situation that they're in, you know, take that chance because you never, ever know when, when or where it will lead and and listen to yourself, you know, because for many, many years, I did not listen to myself. I didn't listen to my creative vision. You know, I let other people tell me that I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And literally the first piece of art that I put out when I listened to myself, when I trusted my vision it went viral and I've became more successful in a shorter period of time than I ever did listening to everybody else, you know? So yeah, that's it really. It's, it's, it's more of a story of inspiration than saying like, I want you to take away, you know, this about digital fashion or sustainability. <laughs> it's, it's more about the journey, the experience and yeah, making a change if you feel like you need to make one. I think as well, it comes back to authenticity, right? Which I think mm-hmm. is such an important theme which I continue to hear whether that's in fashion or so many different walks of life like being true to yourself and what you want to do Mm -hmm. but Cameron thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today I really really appreciate it and uh, um, it was lovely to talk to you and, and hear all about your journey. As a listener of ours, we are here to support you throughout 2021. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist, and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all of our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to our insider briefing. You can sign up at edited.com and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and strategies. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Cameron, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes. And we'd love it if you could tell your family and friends about us. And if you have any further questions or suggestions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Thanks and bye.